Hey, this is Chris, and you're listening to the Global City Mission Podcast. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Joey Dermeyer, mobilization catalyst with GCMI, and my good friend, John Lancaster. Uh, John is a preacher in Huntsville, Alabama, and a longtime friend of Global City Mission. He has journeyed with me from the early days of discovering GCMI through to joining the team. And most recently, he jumped in on our Disciple Makers cohort. On today's podcast, we're going to be chatting with John about what he's learned from GCMI over the years and how his ministry is different because of that. But first, let me welcome Joey and John. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks thanks for for having me. Thank you. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, good to be on with you guys. So, so John, you've been, you and I have been doing, gosh, all sorts of things together for way too long, um, which is just a junior sign high. of age. Yeah, no, I wasn't <laughs> in junior high, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we went to college together. We, uh, you know, we did ministry together in and around Orlando, sometimes like literally together, sometimes, you know, at churches down the road from each other. Um, we've, we've had a lot of shared experiences. And so like, as I jumped on the team with GCMI and even in that early phase before I was officially on the team and I was just kind of checking things out, like you were right there with me, you know, like, is this organization crazy? Who's this, this group that has sucked me in. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, so we've, uh, we've gotten to experience some of that early stuff together. And so, you know, just recently here, you were down in Orlando and, you know, kind of got me to thinking, you know, like, it's easy for me to look at my evolution of, you know, going from somebody who is working on a church staff to working for this, uh, you know, for this ministry um, and being in this more missions role. But you're, you're a pastor at a, at a church in, in Huntsville, Alabama. And, because of your connection to me, because of your connection to GCMI, I, I feel like your perspective on ministry has shifted and changed because of that. Is is that accurate? Does that sound about right? Definitely. Um, we have, uh, again, through conversation and uh, and just, just doing life together with our families and such. But as you, in those early days, especially with, with GCMI, I, we had conversations about what, what is the whole global city and, and what is what is the the global reflection in your city is kind of was one of my early takeaways as we were praying about just your early time in global city. And it got me to really looking around that almost every city and I travel a lot myself. Uh, but even, even when you go into smaller cities, the, a lot of them are still a melting pot of different cultures and different places. And so there's, there's global yeah. connections everywhere. And that was one of the first things that uh, I was really drawn to from learning about, global city the construct the 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 way you guys are doing um ministry and missions in in other places throughout the u.s and well throughout the world even but just it, it has really uh, challenged me to look not just in my community but even as i travel even into some smaller places seeing it's it's not just a a particular restaurant or whatever but getting in there and, and asking um intentional questions of of staff and and trying to find out just a little bit more so yeah, that's, that's probably the, the low hanging fruit real quick and easy yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, one of those first experiences. Right. Like I was I wasn't even like officially on the team. Like I think I was on the team on paper, but was still probably nine months out from from starting. And uh, I, I went to ICOM with with Global City, you know, hung out at the booth, some hung out with the team and uh, somehow managed to convince you to tag along. And so you and I yeah. went and spent you know, gosh, almost a week in Peoria, Illinois. So you talk about 
small town in the middle of nowhere, right? Like Peoria, <laughs> Illinois. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it was your idea or my idea, or maybe it was a little both, but we, we really strived hard not to eat at chains. We, we went kind of right. off the deep end of like, let's find what's local and what's international here in Peoria. So talk a little bit about that. Like what, what did you learn in that process of, of kind of wandering um, around this little city? Well, one of the first things I learned is, is I did not realize, uh, and I believe, and, and quote me, we, we, we went in search of a, of a Mediterranean restaurant, uh, was kind of our, our first one. And I did not realize the, the differences in, uh, because of culture, because of regions, that, that something on, in one store won't be in another store when it, when it comes <laughs> to like food and, and the way things yeah. are prepared. And, and I went in thinking, you know, I'm going to get a kebab or I'm going to get a, a whatever because, that's just kind of, it's like the misnomers of Chinese restaurant in America. Right. 90% of what's in a Chinese restaurant in America is not what's served when you go over and visit someone in China. <laughs> it's like, it's complete opposite. And so we have, we've Americanized all these things. And, and so we, and I don't remember the name of the restaurant that we went into. So um, yeah, that was actually our last meal. It might've been our first search, okay. but it was our last meal in town. We, we went to the Jerusalem restaurant was the name oh, of the restaurant. Very biblical. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a little more Middle Eastern than Mediterranean, right. but, but same kind of, same kind of vibe. And, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was our last restaurant. You're right. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking the, the chicken wing place was our last restaurant. Um, that we went to. <laughs> well, that was like a really late night. Nothing else was open. And that, that was another cultural experience, but that was like, that was more like, yeah, Joey, we found this, yeah. uh, we were looking for chicken wings, like good, you know, like Buffalo right. wild wings, kind of chicken wings. And we found this very, um, like black Chicago, like soul uh -huh. food oh, chicken yeah, wing yeah, yeah. place. It was amazing. They, they were, they were like a whole new world, but that was not the cultural experience yeah. we thought we were going for. Right. We thought yeah. we were going for like. You know, yeah. like and, just and some buffalo wings, and when yeah. we told them we wanted like twenty-four chicken wings, they were like, "You boys sure about that?" We're like, "Yeah, yeah we're hungry." Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like a little flatter drum, yeah, right. man. It was the whole wing, and so like yeah. twenty-four was really like forty-eight. You know, oh with like gosh. half a chicken yeah. worth of meat. That was beautiful. Um, but yeah, so we did. We went to the Jerusalem restaurant, and and that, okay, so that was. Um, but again, in that. Um, we, we talked a little bit with, with the staff and, 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 and that's where Chris and I started having this, this real conversation about who'd have thought that in Peoria, Illinois, there would have mm -hmm. been something like this. And, and the yeah. problem is most of the time, because we are so, you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And so we drive by and we go, oh, there's Chick-fil-A. I'll just pop in and get something because it's quick. Yeah. It's easy. It's what we're comfortable with. Or there's Outback or there's, you know, whatever, insert your favorite restaurant there. But when when we popped in and you know we walked in and it was like obviously we'd never been here before and but it was everything it was welcoming it was it was light it was they they were there was no question off limits the everything was but it was it was just a great opportunity to learn a little bit more but I would have never expected what the quality and and even the little bit of history and in, in the conversation that we had and asking some questions the stuff we learned just in a 30 45 minute meal mm. Uh, was priceless um, and, yeah. it, and it taught me something about Peoria uh, who knew that, that there was this whole Middle Eastern culture that was living in, yeah. in the middle of farm town farm town in Illinois uh, yeah and, this this place was way off the beaten path it was uh I mean gosh Peoria is off the beaten path but this was off the beaten path for Peoria 
And uh, the, the owner slash chef was from Jerusalem and had lived in Peoria for five years and started this little restaurant. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. So, um, so John, I've told this story a, a lot of times, you know, like I, I've lost count of, you know, my friend, quote unquote. And so we're, we're outing you a little bit here on the podcast, but my, my friend <laughs> went with me and had this experience and then went back to his hometown and uh, discovered this brand new, oh, yeah. yes. you know, uh, Mediterranean <laughs> restaurant, Middle Eastern restaurant in his town. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if you fully remember this moment, but I I, I remember I asking you, John, is that is that a new restaurant, or you just noticed it for the first time? I think I replied, "It's new to me." Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, so I mean, that was yeah. three, four years ago. I've lost track, and you know, in the yeah. COVID years of who knows which way is up, but, um, yeah, was three, four years ago. How, how has being in Huntsville, like, how have you looked at the city differently because of not just that trip to Peoria? Cause we've had this conversation on and off right. now for a while, but like, but starting with that trip to Peoria and really seeing the culture differently, how have you seen Huntsville differently because of that, um, that moment? One, it's one of those, and again, it goes back to kind of what I said earlier, you know, we, we get comfortable in our community, we kind of go through, we go through our routine with our eyes wide shut. And, and it's like, because it's, it's get the kids to school, get to work, get to, and it's just kind of you do the same thing. And coming back from Peoria, I realized the, um, the cultural diversity, and, and I've never thought of Huntsville as like this. I grew up in Miami. I, I came, let me, let me, let me go do this way. And if it's too much, I'm sorry, but I grew up in Duggar, Indiana, which was a population of 1800 people, uh, give mm. or take. And when I was, when I was like eight or nine years old, we moved from there to Homestead, Florida. I went to Redland elementary and junior high school There's over 2000 people student wise, just in the, the elementary junior high school, same property, two different buildings. That's it was crazy. huge. And that was where I went from this 1800 population town of predominantly white people, right? Right. To yeah. To to South Florida, to South Miami, where I it was a you talk about a cultural melting pot. It's like there it is. And so when people talk about, um, and I think the same of like New York. It's it, New York is a cultural melting pot. There are people from all over coming and converging into New York. I never considered that for anywhere in Alabama, let alone Huntsville. And, right. And so you know, because it's it's just again, you go through life with your eyes wide shut. And coming back from Peoria, I I was like. Wow, there's there are a lot of different um, nationalities. There are a lot of people represented, and not as much like numbers wise, but culturally, there literally are people yeah. from all over the place right here in Huntsville, Alabama. And and again, a quick side note: Huntsville has now been voted the the, the best place to live in the U.S. as far as a city. I saw, I you you know that. what? I saw that the <laughs> other day. Yeah, um, and, which is funny to me because when I was moving up here, everybody's like, "You're gonna have to talk slow." And I was like, "No, we're not going to that. We're not going to that part of Alabama." Not that part <laughs> of Alabama, yeah. And, uh, but, but um, so anyway, I say all that to say I, I just kind of took for granted. And Chris and I, we've had this conversation a lot. Um, you're in the South. You're a Christian. Everybody thinks alike. Everybody does everything, and it's like you're in the Bible Belt, you know, kind of right. thing. And, yeah. and and it's like, no, even in the Bible Belt, there's all this different. There's diversity, and and listen, people think for themselves in in this area, and and all these different um, uh, places. And and I love in Huntsville every year. There is, um, I think, I think there. Uh, this was four years ago. There's a, a statistic about there on average are, are about fifty to seventy five restaurants that close down a year in Huntsville. 
but then the the flip side to that was like there's 300 restaurants that open mm. throughout this part of of North Alabama every year, and so it's mm. like, and that got me thinking. Well, I'm missing out on some things because I I like a good a good spoonful of something. You know, Chris will tell you I I enjoy good food, um, and so I started looking for these places, especially after that conversation about when Chris said, "Well, has." has the that Mediterranean restaurant been there forever or is it really a brand new restaurant and I come to find out it actually had been there for a long time it's family owned um but I I would go to a restaurant called the toy box which is like this little fancy burger you know macaroni and cheese waffle kind of place that was four restaurants down but I never went past it so I just never saw it and (laughs) and then then here it is and so so now as I've gotten and the cool thing is now I've, I've had people uh, who have, have come in to visit like from Mississippi or, or different, just different places. And I'm like, man, I got this great restaurant we're going to go to. And I take him to this Mediterranean place. And it's like the husband, his wife, his kids, it's, it's almost always family that are there. And, and now they're starting to see that I'm, I'm bringing people in. And, and he asked me like, where, where are they from? You know, oh, yeah. Mississippi or you know, <laughs> yeah. Florida or Georgia. And he's just like, wow, thank you. And that's been kind of a, yeah. so, so I was wide, eyes wide shut. Now it's more, that that experience has definitely opened them up and i found also that like we have a a place over here called rd smokehouse and and again it's a it's a rib place and there's there's a hundred barbecue places in alabama but this one you know was a gas station that was officially converted into a restaurant that is owned by a family um and and uh i i don't yet know uh, where they're from, but they're not from Alabama. Like they're, they're right. not your typical yeah. good old boy Southern barbecue. And the guy is always in the back, just working like crazy. Uh, and he's doing a great job. And, and I'm just kind of going in there and, and seeing it differently. Uh, same thing. We new new restaurant, actual new restaurant. We were there right after they opened. Uh, I that, that means something yeah, to me now. I look around for that. Now, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, it's called Luigi's and, uh, Lou, Lou is the, the guy who owns it, his wife, Romina. Um, and, uh, they, they just, they, they, three months ago, they got married or four months ago now got married and opened Luigi's and, um, actually, actually, that's that's the other thing. I had to pull out my notes, Chris. That's what I was doing. I was, I was stuttering a little bit, but I actually, I actually take notes on some of this stuff now. It's Lou and Romina. They're from Albania, okay? Uh-huh. And, wow. And they and they have worked their way to Huntsville. They've been married four months, and they've been running this restaurant for four months. Really amazing, fresh made Italian food takes a little bit longer, but just in conversation, and and my ignorance again. I'll speak on my ignorance. I'll, I'll use my I statements. I I kept thinking, what you know? How do you get from Albania to like this great Italian food. Well, then I look at a map, right? And it's like, oh, here's Italy. Here's the bottom of the boot. And look right across the water, there's yeah. Albania. It made sense then. But they they brought out, and I mean, his sausage and, and the meatballs and some of the stuff that he does has, it's, it's, it's Italian for sure, but there's something else to it that you're not getting at, you know, Carabas or some well, of these other places. And this is this is that, part of where your old conversation. Age, yeah, this is part of where your old age will uh, get you because we've had this conversation before. Like a lot of the the better you know Italian restaurants in New York are actually Albanian owned and run. Yes. Yeah. And like yeah. Yeah. The 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 history of how and why, but like that is that is a trade. It is funny though that like that's in Huntsville, Alabama. Like. I mean, I've, right. I've been there a ton. I, I, I know that there's diversity there and that still surprises me that like 
here's this LBD yeah. couple. I do want to I do want to bring one thing to 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 point out here, and and I love that you're taking notes, and I love that you're learning the people that you're you're bumping into. Like so many of your and I's conversations start with food. So many of our adventures start with food, <laughs> yeah. but it's not about it's the normal. food, right? Like right. the food is the kind of the gateway. Yeah. Right. It really is about the people, right? Like you're yeah, you're right. jumping in and having these conversations. And I just want to point that out because yeah. I know you oh, and yeah. I have had that conversation. But if you're listening to the podcast, you know, like maybe you think that we've switched from being the Global City Mission podcast to being the Global <laughs> City Food Podcast. You know, right, yeah, we're going to get yeah. food reviews. <laughs> same thing I found. Yeah. Uh, the, and it is. It's about the people. Um, but it's like I'm going to eat anyways. And I'm and I'm look, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm tired of eating all the same junk. Yeah. Let's let's go find something. And one of the things I found out about is talking specifically about culture and about people. Um, and there's a small little Mexican restaurant down the street from my house that I stumbled into because it, it happened. I didn't even know it was there. It's in the back of a gas station and I was getting gas and I ran in to get a bottle of water and I was like, there's a Mexican restaurant in the back mm -hmm. of this gas station. Amen. You know, <laughs> yeah. so nobody speaks English in this restaurant. And I walked up and I said, I, I'm hungry. You know, I was like, like, what do, what do I want? And, and the lady like pointed to a couple things and we, we worked through it and I, I bought a couple of street tacos and some fresh made pork rind. And, but again, it's the, the graciousness, like she, they mm -hmm. were so excited to work. The, we smiled, we laughed, we figured it out. And, and that's the other thing I've learned in, in connecting with these people for, for me, the restaurant is the easy place to do that because on, on weekends, I'm fully involved with my church. So I'm not able to go check out some of the other houses of worship that are in my area because they're going at the same time. And that's like, right. that's my job. So I'm not, I can't go run, you know, and meet up with a, with a rabbi in a synagogue that's here in Huntsville because it, we're just on different timetables of stuff and, and those kinds of things. But I can find people in these other places, figure out when it's not busy come back and start asking some questions and they want to talk about culture. They want to talk about history. They want to talk about religion. It just opens up for all these intentional conversations that are just good. And, and they're, they're eye opening uh, too. Yeah. I, you know, for me, when I went through it and my eyes kind of became open. So, you know, it's kind of like once they open, you can't kind of, kind of can't close them. <laughs> you always see them now. You can't, you can't you unsee know, it. You yeah. can't unsee it. <laughs> But, you know, one of the things I, too, you know, Chris talking about the food, I, I'm with you. I like food, coffee. I, you know, I want to find those two things, right? But yeah. where I've started, too, is I've started, okay, like, we're going to have Mexican this week. I'm going to cook it. Well, I'm going to go to the Mexican market and buy the stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, I started going to a barber shop where it's just Dominicans because, you know, so, like, there's these things that we use every week and every day. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like yeah. going, hey, you know what, instead of maybe going to my normal place, there may be another place I could go. And then you're right about finding those sort of off times. That's for me. Yeah. I love to go to restaurants like two, three o'clock in the afternoon because nobody's right. in there, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the point where it sort of dies down and you can have conversation because they're not, they're not having to fill a rush. They're not having to, you know, fill a bunch of orders. Things are sort of quieted down and you could sit there and have that conversation with them or, or have a little more time with them and not feel like you're, bothering them or, or feel like you got to be in a rush right yeah. yeah so you're you've been in one of our cohorts lately like you just hopped in yes. the last one yeah so talk to talk us through a little bit about that how has that kind of helped you as you've walked through this process too of seeing uh, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. uh 
full full disclosure that that comment about going in during off times that was one of the first things I picked up on in our first cohort conversation uh, yeah. with Jared. It was one of the things we talked about it and connected. I was like, you know what? That's genius. I'd love to say that was my and I actually wrote that down. That I need to, need to throw that out. Well done, Jared Looney. Uh, I, I'm paying attention in the cohort. Um, but again, we you know for almost 30 years I've been in church and yeah. and you think. And, and again, it's Chris and I, we had this conversation about, well, you know what you what you've been brought up to understand. And so there yeah. are things you think, you know, when you talk about things like discipleship and intentionality. And and that's what I love about the cohort is it it, it took what what seems to be a very common word. But there's 40 different definitions for what discipleship mm. looks like. If if, right. if we just randomly ask 10 people, you'll get eight different definitions of what it is to disciple and um, and, no, and none of them are necessarily wrong definitions. They're just different ways of doing the same thing. And so that's where I spend a lot of time in in the in traditional church, if you will. And, and a lot of that model is you you I always call it the like like you catch them and the church cleans them kind of model. If you're a fisherman, you yeah. bring your friends, bring your friends and the preacher will talk to them and the, the elders will shepherd them and, and you just got to get them in the door and they'll they'll cook them and clean them, you know, or yeah. skin them, clean them and fry them kind of thing. And 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 one of the things I appreciate about the the very first night of the the GCMI the cohort that we did, um, when we just started talking about action steps and and started talking about that it that is a is a misnomer from from way back where if people learn by doing and people learn in layers then we need to take that same mm. construct into our into our relationships and so as you're coming into someone. Um, and what I what I love was that first that first conversation. Jared challenged us to um, initiate spiritual conversations randomly, you know, and even say, he said, write some stuff down and and get it to where it's just kind of natural for you to say, um, you know, sharpen those spiritual statements. And and so like like for me, for example, I'm I'm the chaplain of the volunteer fire department, and most of those guys I've I've done things with long enough that when a new person comes in. They'll introduce me and go, hey, this is our chaplain. By the way, he's the preacher over at Huntsville Christian Church. Be careful what you say because he'll use it in a sermon, you know, kind of thing. That's kind of <laughs> wow. the joke. And and it's like I've got now I've got people like that are making my spiritual statement for me <laughs> because of, <laughs> of investment in them. But I love that that was that was one of the first things that we talked about because sometimes we make conversation a lot harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. and it's real, real easy when when and it's simple things when someone as you're checking out in line and someone says, have a nice day, you can just do a quick reply of, I hope you have a blessed day. Just small things that, that can change somebody's thought process. And, and so that was one of my, that. And then uh, last night or this past Monday was week five for us. And we spent time talking about Luke chapter 10 and connecting with people of peace. And, and yeah. so if you read through Luke chapter 10, it's where Jesus sent, sent the 70 out like two by two. And he said, hey, you're going to come into people's homes. They're going to welcome you. They're going to be people of peace. They're going to introduce you to their friends and their family, basically. And and, and that was that was something that, again, in here in the Bible Belt, people are like, oh, everybody I know is a Christian. And that may be true, but more than likely it's not. Everybody yeah. you know may, may have gone to grandma's church once or twice. Everybody you know may be connected loosely with religion of some sort, but everybody you know is not. A, a disciple is not a Christ follower is not a Christian, you know, however you want to phrase that. And, and so I got to thinking about what that looks like. And um, 
I used to be a part of a, a thing called BNI for my son's nonprofit, and it's a, a business networking community. And one of the things they said there is that every person is three degrees separated. Basically, your own network, Joey, you have 250 people that you can connect with very quickly. Chris, you can connect with 250 people very quickly. Um, and again, it's it's the, you know, Joey, Joey, or, you know, I, you know, Joey, you know me. So Chris, you're connected. There's three of us connected here. And then, but with duplicity, it just kind of grows really quickly. And and it's that same thing. When, when you find people of peace uh, and it's not about, hey, it, it's just invite your friends over and let's have a conversation about Jesus. I don't care if they're Christians. Right. I don't care if they're heathens, but- Joey, you have a cookout and we're all going to come over and sometime at the cookout, I'm just going to start telling a story. Maybe we set it up beforehand where you go, hey, John, you're you're preaching this week. What are you preaching on? And I get to say, oh, I'm preaching on goodness. And and there's a ripple effect to, to goodness. And, and so that that people of peace that I picked yeah. up from the cohort was, man, it, it's really brought that whole. And like I said, we're only in week five. There's a few more weeks to go. But yeah. for me, week five really brought together all the things we've talked about the first the first four weeks uh in 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 discipling but and not, not just in making disciples but in in connecting within your community you know it, it starts with um like i said it starts with those spiritual statements and then um you know what are what are five things you can do or if you're doing five things drop down to two and do two things really well and and pass a few things on to somebody else so that you have that bandwidth on your own to still minister to your family, be involved in your church, and and connect with people in your community. So it was things like that that, yeah. that we've been talking about in that cohort that have been pretty awesome, pretty encouraging that's, for me. That's awesome. Hey, so let's talk about Orlando real quick for a minute because uh, yeah. we got to hang out this last week, and uh, you know you were you were in town for some family stuff, and we uh, I kind of hijacked you a little bit, and I, I I don't think I even told you before we before we left the restaurant, but we. We drove around Orlando and kind of looked at it from a multicultural, multi-ethnic, um, mm-hmm. you know, future ministry, future church planting kind of perspective. And you've lived in Orlando on and off, you know, yeah. gosh, I, mean, I know you lived in Lake County before you were in school and then you were in school for like 12 years in order to graduate yes. you know, yes. with, with your four-year degree. Extended program. Extended That's right. program I could have yeah. been a doctor, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, so so you you've you've had all this experience around Huntsville. You're jumped in this cohort, mm-hmm. and then we drove around this past week. Like, how how did driving back around Orlando to to places you'd been before, places you'd seen before? Like, how how did you see that differently? I'll tell you the one of the things. And first off, I've I've been in Huntsville now for 15 years, and Orlando. We still have family in Orlando, and and it's still we come back to it. But again. You, you come back and you're focused, right? Whether you fly in, right. you go airport to family house, or whether you drive in, you're coming, you're, you're straight down 95, the turnpike, I-4, whatever. Yep, you straight know, to B-line. Disney World. Yep. Straight, yeah, straight yep. into the house or straight over to the beach. And and driving around with you, um, first off, a lot changes in 15 years. <laughs> I, I remember a lot of those places were, they were just, they were just a field or it was just a, you know, whatever. And now... Um, it's a strip mall and there's, there's, there's not just a restaurant, but there's like three side by side of, of, you know, um, the, uh, up by the Florida mall. I even asked, I was like, how's the mall doing? You said, well, it ebbs and flows, but all around it was, were the, the, the community is different around the Florida mall right. than what it was 15 years ago. 
Um, mm. You know, and it's not it's not a bad different. It's just it, yeah, it's some cultural. of it better, right? But it, it, yeah, but some it's of it's different. definitely yeah. better. Yeah, but it's but it's just as people ebb and flow and move around, and you don't think fifteen years is all that long, but that it's like wow, there's I did, and I, I think I even said something like I don't recall. Um, uh, the I'm trying to think of what restaurant it was. It might have been a Mediterranean restaurant because I was I was like I don't recall being that that many people that could support that many restaurants of that cal of that that you yeah. know cultural type kind of thing and and it's like and, and that's where Chris was like yeah the the numbers and the shift of uh, of what's coming in and again you've got the airport and you've got Disney and you've got uh, both of those bring people literally from all over the world to work to celebrate to do whatever um, and so it just makes sense that right there 10 15 miles from from either one of those two points there's going to be 25 different types of mediterranean restaurants and yeah. because people are coming and that's just one culture group right that's not even yeah we we, know, we drove through that like very uh asian um mills 50 yeah. area where there's like vietnamese restaurants next to chinese restaurants next to japanese restaurants like right you know yeah we 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 drove all over orlando on saturday yes we did it was it was a great Great drive, and, and again, just to see because, and and I'll 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 say this, and if I if I mess this up, you have to edit it out. But but I also remember <laughs> when some of the some of the places that we were at back back even before I was in college, where I went to those places, they really were just just like redneck Florida places that yeah. are now talking about that and i've got nothing I'm, I'm nothing against redneck people i think they're great all right i mean come on you grew up as a redneck people like that was exactly you. <laughs> I, I am one i mean i was i was bull riding and stuff and yeah. so I, I know this you know and 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 that's why i know these places were there because i even asked right. hey where's this place he goes that place hadn't been around for years you yeah. know and it's like what what was just a simple again dirt field a farmer field a, a place you know is now this this cultural epicenter which i think is just great because yeah, and it, I, I i i think part of it though too is that conversation of coming back from peoria to, to huntsville is some yeah. of that has probably been there forever like orlando right. has been culturally diverse forever between sure. the agricultural industry and tourism and and all that right and we we literally just didn't see it you know yeah. And so, you know, the the little hole in the wall place next to that redneck bar that you you used to go to, right, was probably some family owned Mexican restaurant, but but we just never noticed. And so, right, you it know, wasn't Taco Bell. Why yeah. go? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've we've lived here continuously since two thousand and five. We were here in college in Orlando, and you know, for five six years, you know, with a little bit of a way in between there. And a lot of these places, some of which have been here for for decades, I never noticed, you know. Right. And and that is, yeah, it's no, it's 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 definitely changed, right? But but I think we've changed and we're seeing the city differently yeah. than we have before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's I think that's true for for anyone who especially when you go through the cohort and you automatically begin to start thinking differently, you'll, you'll notice yeah. that about, you know, wherever you are, Peora, right? I mean, there's yeah. someone listening to this is probably in some town going, that can't be true. You know, that, that can't <laughs> be true at my place, but, right. but yeah. you know, when you start looking around, you go, Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I technically live 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. So for me, you know, I'm in a little small town 
And when it, it when I'm walking around, well, I just noticed the fourth Mexican supermarket that's yeah. probably yeah. been here forever. But I was like, oh my gosh, where did this one come from? And to me, it's new. But you know, because right. yeah. you guys yeah. you know, begin to see that. So you know, John, one of the things I, I always um, love to pull out of people because I think it's important is kind of that especially for those of us who've been in ministry, both in the church and, and even in the mission world, for those who've done mission work, just to encourage people, right. To be an encouragement, especially now. So when you're, when you're saying you're thinking, okay, let's, let's, what's something, you know, you might want to encourage maybe some there's a, there's a pastor like you listening to the podcast going, what should I do? Or, or, or what, what, you know, what, what kind of words of encouragement would you find for, would you maybe offer them, um, kind of in this season especially in a you know post-covid kind of season where i know a lot of churches are still figuring out what yeah. that even looks like uh, i think and, and again uh, chris will tell you i'm an eternal optimist i see most of my <laughs> world through this thirty thousand foot view and and it's definitely a, a, a different perspective sure um but I, I actually had a conversation with a, with a pastor not too long ago and, uh, and I challenged him. I said, Hey, you get two days off a week, right? He goes, yeah, it's usually, you know, I take, take Monday or a Friday and then usually Saturday, you know, I said, okay. Um, and, and he said, why? I said, cause you need to go become certified as a substitute teacher. And he said, why would I want to do that? I said, well, one, our schools need substitute teacher. Now, obviously summertime, like our schools are closing here this week is the end for summer. But yeah, sure. I said, take, take the summer, get your background, check, get that stuff and, and be a substitute teacher. I said, you want to learn about your community, go substitute at a junior high or a high school one mm. day a week, one day a month, take, take one day a month and go substitute teach. You, you talk about culture diversity. You talk about, you mm. know, um, community struggles. You talk about, I mean, if you want to know the depth of where your community is, whether it's a big community or a small community, uh, I've got uh, five five high schools I can go sub at on on any given day that that cover our area. And so it's like, you know what? That's I can go do that and and learn a whole lot about what what because the teenagers especially yeah. their their perspective they they're seeing everything they're seeing everything at home they're seeing everything on the news they're seeing everything at school they're seeing everything in their part-time jobs they're listening to what other people are going through and we think that they're just kind of in the way but the reality is they're the ones that are that are paying more attention than than most of us adults and so i've learned more about my community and about some of the struggles of different cultures within my community uh maybe not being understood or or not uh from from hearing the kids talk to one another as I substitute teach a class. And yeah. and that's been that's been very eye opening. Um, the other thing I've I've always done very I would I would encourage uh, to uh, especially in that if you really want to understand the, the culture of your community and, and that kind of stuff, find for us it's the downtown rescue mission and the downtown rescue mission uh, works with our homeless population. They also have a, a, a thing for a crisis center for women. And, and it's really awesome, but it's like, I go and do some stuff there. And, and again, if you, if you want to know, that's, that's where you're going to find these things out because we, we all live in these bubbles, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've got, I've got my, my three bedroom, two bath house. I've got my, my 2.5 cars, my 1.5 kid, Chris has 5.5 kids. If you do that math <laughs> out, you know, um, you know, but, but it's like, that's just what we do. And we, we miss a lot of that stuff. And so 
it, and that's something too from from the cohort as we've been talking it's like wow uh 90 of my world is christian people mm. but that's not but the world i live in you know we're, we're to be right. in the world not of the world right the world i live in it there's a whole another group of people that i've yet to to connect with and and so i purposely and chris will tell you this i've worked a ton of different jobs throughout my life but just in huntsville um, substitute teaching. I've, I've driven a limo, serving at the downtown rescue mission. You know, I try to find um, various places where I can plug in one day a week or something, and and do this to connect with where the community is and to really get a different perspective on the culture and on what's yeah. happening in our community. And, and so those are a couple of things I would encourage, and, and we don't really consider it um, because it's what's well, my day off. I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep in, and I'm gonna do something else and I'm going to do whatever. But if but my, my father-in-law always says you, you may retire from your physical earthly job, but you never retire from kingdom work. And mm-hmm. I kind of, and again, I don't, I don't work seven days a week and never take a break. Don't, that's not what I'm saying, but I do take an opportunity to try to, to plug into some of these places along the way, because I want to know more about what's happening in my community. Um, yeah. 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 Cause I mean, you know, again, we, as leaders, we, 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 we become focused on our life, our ministry, you know, our church, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and our people in that church, and it's easy to get focused, but by right. doing so you sort of find yourself locked off from the rest of your community and the rest of your world, you kind of lose sight of what they're going through and how, you know, and, and then at the same time, we're supposed to be, uh, sharing the gospel with them, yeah. you know, engaging them. How do we right. do that? If we're sort of always living in our, on our little yeah. bubble. Yeah. So being intentional. And, in, in youth ministry, it was easy because you went yeah. to football games and soccer right. games and cheer competitions and volleyball games. And, and so you were, you were in that, but then it's like, right. uh, you know, as I started doing preaching ministry, it was like, I realized that changed really quick. And, and I was like, okay, my world just shrunk almost mm. overnight to yeah. just these people. And, yeah. and so that was, yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. Um, John, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, we're going to wrap it up here, but um, thank you for jumping in. Thank you for uh, mm-hmm. journeying with me. Like personally, thank you for, for, you know, <laughs> following the crazy adventure that has been me uh, joining this team and, and being a part of this ministry. And so um yeah, so we want to we want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. Um, you know, hopefully you found that you know as uh, encouraging and uh, educational of like what does it look like to see your community, um, to see the diversity that's in your community, to see you know the people that are around you that are you know just normal people living their lives, but you know potentially people who are in need of Jesus, and so. Um, we want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to, to please subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can, you know, check us out on wherever you're listening to podcasts regularly or jump over to globalcitymission.org slash podcast. And there are subscription links there. Also, there's a couple of recommendations for particular episodes. And like coming out of this conversation with John today, if you've not already listened to episode two on making spiritual statements or episode six on how to begin ethnography for ministry. I would jump in and listen to both of those. They kind of kind of dive into a more training aspect, training perspective of some of the topics that we talked about today. So um, jump in, sign up, subscribe. And if you're looking for more information about GCMI or about the cohort, go to globalcitymission.org and you can get more information there. 
So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you soon.